I'm finna put all this in my book bag, cause I'm from the streets. Yeah, yeah. Boom, what's going on? It's your boy Ambition, and welcome to another episode of the MYFB podcast. And today I have with me Miss Noreen, who is the founder of a sex toy business that she runs with her husband uh, called Beyond Delights. So without further ado, we have Miss Noreen. How are you doing today, Noreen? I'm fantastical. You tell me how you're doing. I'm doing excellent. You have a very beautiful name, by the way. Oh, thank you. What, what does I like, it do? I, uh, so Noreen, good one. It's I think it has something to do with an angel of God, or I don't really know exactly. Mm. <laughs> Most of the names have something to do with that. Yeah, exactly. Everything comes from the Bible. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, Almost. <laughs> okay. So talk to us a little bit more about Beyond Delights. What? How long have you guys been in business? How long ago did you start up Beyond Delights? Uh, Beyond Delights was started by my husband in, I believe, the end of 2015. It launched in 2016. Nice. Um, and how? It's mostly because he had an interest in sex products, and I really didn't. <laughs> <laughs> For the mere fact that I can't be involved in that kind of thing because I'm a girl. Uh, for one. And secondly, like I'm Armenian American. So in our culture, mm. it's very taboo, forbidden. We don't even really talk about it amongst the families. Okay. You know? so, so, fun stuff. so he had to crawl over a bunch of red tape, even as he was building his business. He didn't. I did. I, oh. when I got, yeah, for guys. So like the way there's a lot of, there's Hispanics have a term machismo. There's a lot of like guys can you. get away with a lot of shit, but girls, Whereas have to tiptoe around eggshells. Gotcha. <laughs> so yeah. Okay. So when he what what got him interested in the business in 2015? What was the interest to get into the sex toy business? What was the opportunity that he saw, maybe? Um, well, ultimately it started with our own personal problems of well, for one, I would constantly have painful sex. So that, that was a huge problem for us. And that would limit the amount of times we would have it. Um, and he, he just had this idea of maybe a product can help us, um, did a little bit of research, bought like the crappiest, uh, sex toy product off of Amazon, which I advise not anybody to do. Um, and, uh, and kind of like went from there and it helped a little bit, but it was such a crappy product. We had to throw it away because it leaked battery acid. The Whoa. product itself melted because it was an unsafe jelly toy um, and so on and so forth. And then like over time, as time progressed, he just was always in forums reading about products themselves and then realized uh, a lot of information about um, the material, the health uh, that is concerned with material when a person use it as, uses it and so on and so forth. Um, he, he just said, you know, and before that I was, uh, I had my own photography business. So, nice. you know, he, he's, he wanted to piggyback off of that, what my knowledge was off of e-commerce and said, well, I'll just go ahead and start the space uh, for sexual products. And I was like, fine, we'll go ahead and do that. You know, I'll help you in any way I could or I can, but I just don't have any part in it until he told me like, uh, with the toxicity of the products that are being sold, uh, and people not knowing pregnant women have been known to have babies with birth defects. Wow. Yeah. And I was just like stunted. I, I didn't know what to think. And I thought, well, you know, if nobody's really talking about this kind of stuff in the industry, then we need to lead with that. We need to talk about that. Like, 
unless you've really been a user of products in the sexual wellness category, and that could be everything from lubes to dildos, right? Um, you don't really have too much knowledge about the material, about, mm. you know, the uses, the needs, the, the many different, so many things. There's everything is. So I, I really like the, uh, the direction that you're saying that your company has went as well, right? Because when you think about a sex toy industry and marketing that sort of business, I think a lot of people can get trapped within the fun aspect of running mm -hmm. that sort of business. Mm -hmm. But you're saying, no, there's some actual health concerns. Even if you did come here for a fun, uh, there's a way you can have fun better. You can have fun healthier. Yeah. And that That is really amazing. So um, about how many years in did it take you guys to figure out that the, the industry was unhealthy and really um, lean towards this niche of creating healthier pleasure, so to speak? Um, so honestly, it was as soon as we started or as soon as David started doing the research in regards to products. And again, for personal use mm -hmm. is when he found out because there is information that exists out there. It's just a lot of misinformation that also exists where you can mm -hmm. really get trapped in like this loop on Google and not know who to trust, not know who to believe, like not know where to go to buy um, and what we did actually is once we started going to conventions, which was very soon after that, I think we, we launched the business. Well, it was 2016. And then there's a convention that happens in January, very early that on that year, we went to our first convention. I don't remember when sometime around that and speaking to manufacturers and really understanding their ethics and how informative they are about their product materials. You know, they don't give you all the information because there's a lot of secrets that they don't want other, you know, competitors to know, which is safe. Like it's respectable, right. but there's also a certain amount of information when you're asking them about like their material, uh, what kind of chemicals they are okay with using, what kind of coating they use to, you know, um, seal off like uh it's really popular to use uh, an egg made out of stone, for example. And mm. just to, just to like mention that it's um, a lot of times covered with a polyurethane coating and polyurethane is cancerous. So now you're putting a cancerous chemical up your vagina and then okay. you're just, you know. Okay. So you're talking about the, um, the Yoni eggs. That... Yeah, exactly. So exactly. Uh, I have a, a couple of friends who, you know, it's really popular to go get like, crystal yoni eggs where yep. they're made out of like amethyst but you're yeah. saying that even with those if you're not getting them from someplace that's raw Trusted. and organic yeah yep. you're getting a polyurethane filter yep if you get it from any any just regular whatever manufacturer that you know nothing about so wow. like for example shock rubs is one of my favorites i would never um you know I would never talk anything bad about their products and they take their products uh, into consideration when it comes to like healthcare. So if you're looking at buying something, yeah, they're a little expensive, but totally worth the, you know, knowing that they're safe. Okay. Aspect. So when we talk about safety, right, there's obviously a very popular toy in the market right now, the Rose toy, right? And you know, it's popular because I know about it, right? I don't, see i don't follow popularity i no? don't know okay so i i think it's um i want to say it's based on suction it actually is shaped like a rose mm -hmm. it's like literally like a little rosebud um and you know they just put 
tip of it on the clitoris and you know it works its magic there um but i've also like you're saying to co-sign what you're saying i've seen a lot of people come out and say hey there were some health concerns and you know bring up a lot of the very same things that you're talking about um so what what is something that you think that people should keep their eyes open for as they're moving into the uh the industry and they're looking to purchase a, a toy so that they get something that is healthy not just for their relationship but actually physically for their bodies <sighs> well i hate to say it but it's researching so mm. a lot of times a lot of times you want to firstly know what part of the body you want to satisfy and then when you when you kind of go from there a lot of times for example women um, need clitoral stimulation so if you add, like google something about clitoral stimulation and sex toys a lot of products can come up and then knowing who your retailer is and what they stand for what what ethics are they you know operating off of um, you know what kind of and and it's stated on most websites they will let you know once you do a little bit of research you'll figure it out um, who are the top manufacturers and a lot of times a lot of the top manufacturers aren't always the best ones um, and they are expensive. So, you know, it's, it, it's a lot of work. It, and what we did with Beyond Delights was tell ourselves, like, you know what, the, the sex toy industry itself is very saturated. There's too many damn products. Like, you could get a jillion types of dildos or vibrators or rabbit vibrators or cock rings or enhancers, whatever, what have you, right? So what's the difference between a vibrator and a rabbit vibrator? Um, a vibrator is, so a clitoral vibrator is, it only stimulates the outside of the vulva, gotcha. right? So, and then a rabbit is something insertable, which you could put into the vagina. So it has G-spot and also uh, clitoral stimulation. Gotcha. Um, so those would be the different types, but ultimately like what we did with Beyond Delights is go through um, all the manufacturers, found the ones we could trust ourselves and again like we would never sell anything that we personally wouldn't use ourselves right so um we found out a lot of information about them found out the best of the best products reduced the overwhelm of like the product choices and said you know well these are the options and we do a lot of reviews we do a lot of asks you know we figure out it's not just about what's hot on the market it's about what works in the market right <laughs> you know so no i i definitely agree with that okay um, so here's the million dollar question. You guys got into the sex toy industry really to, you know, help with your personal relationship. Did it help? How did it help? And if it did help, you know, what was the process? Was it a, you know, easy to just jump in and get started and everything worked? Or did it take some time and really figuring some things out? Oh, no, it's never easy. And I think one of the biggest things that sex toys does for a couple in a relationship is it provides you an outlet to communicate more people mm. do not communicate enough dur during intercourse to understand what you know one another need and and with a product now whether you're using it alone but i would definitely suggest using it alone before you use it with somebody is you got to figure out what it is you like and dislike Right. Um, you know, how do you want to be touched? Where do you want to be touched? How long do you want to be touched? Does, uh, you know, certain places trigger different things. And, you know, a lot of times with women, because they have hormones that fluctuate because mm -hmm. of their cycle, 
things change. So it, it becomes a little more mysterious to figure out what a woman would want. Um, and just ultimately like the biggest thing is communication and how hard it is. Is it, it's, it's pretty damn hard. Like, you know, you, you have to put yourself aside when it comes to pleasure, when it comes Mm. to understanding someone else's pleasure, you never take defense towards what someone else shares with you. And that is the hardest part. Um, you know, it's, it's not about you. It's not, it's, you know, it's not your fault. It's just something somebody's going um, through internally and doesn't know how to express it. So you have to kind of like go at it from, you know, an observing perspective versus like a defensive one and, and, and build up from there. And it's little steps that eventually build up to a very open set of communication skills that you will develop over time. And sex toys provide that. Yeah. Wow. I'm, I'm glad that you are doing the work that you do and trying to, you know, actually remove some of the stigma. Right. Um, I remember a couple of years back, there was so many men that were saying, you know, they aren't interested in a woman if she uses sex toys. But, you know, what I'm hearing you say is that even from a masculine point of view, you may even have a better sexual experience because this person knows how to communicate what they want and how to actually please their body. Exactly. And a lot of times men feel apprehensive about it because they feel like it's taking something away from them. It's not, it's only adding, it's only adding. So you have to really always put your ego aside when it comes to like, you know, when it comes to pleasure, when it comes to like being in a relationship and, you know, in the beginning of any relationship that you just start, it's never about you um, you know, asking for a lot of things. It's about you wanting to give so much because you're just so excited. Whereas right. like when you're in a long-term relationship, you start asking. And when you don't receive, you feel like, oh, this isn't going to work out. Well, okay, guys, like that, of course, it's not going to work out because you're just becoming more selfish and it's always becoming about you and mm-hmm. men and women alike. They're all the same, you know? So it's, it's building, it's building up that tolerance to say, Hey, this, you know, this isn't about me. It's not about my ego. This is about like, how can we get along together? Right. No. And I, I definitely see where, you know, there's room for both people to actually learn. Right. You know, um, while I, while I do think it could be a blow to a man's ego, yeah. um, certainly not mine. I'm perfectly fine. <laughs> um, awesome. <laughs> I, yeah, no, I, I just want to see everybody have a great time. <laughs> That's, That's awesome. my motto. Um, but you know, I also see where it could be um, a blow to a woman's ego as well, right? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, a lot of women may even think that on the other side, they're starting to think, "What? hey, maybe I'm not enough. Um, yes. And you're right. It really isn't about that. It's not about being enough. It's about, you know, really exploring, to me, exploring these realms of pleasure and, you know, what does it really take to make your partner feel good within mm-hmm. a safe environment? and. Mm-hmm again, you're doing really awesome work. So what's one thing that you want for men to understand about, you know, the sensual space as they're entering in with women, or, you know, within the sex toy industry? Um, Honestly, it's from personal experience and from like speaking to other customers that have had their own, uh, like separate experiences. Mm -hmm. I, I think what men need to understand more of is that when a woman, for example, doesn't want to have intercourse as often, it doesn't mean it's about you. It Mm. has a lot to do 
with how she's feeling and whatever it is she's going through in her mind. A lot of times like men, so here's a little tidbit. Men can lead with desire, but they hold their emotions in. But women always lead with their emotions, but hold their desires in. Um, And it's not true for every man or woman, but that's just the general, you know, consensus of what it is. And, and kind of knowing that information is, well, you know, a woman, a woman needs a little more buildup and needs a little more attention. And you got to figure out how that attention is wanted by her to be able to achieve the result you are interested in, which may be more intercourse, correct? Um, So, I mean, the, the, the best thing you can do is just really understand how to communicate her needs. Mm. Like, where's her mental state? She's not going to just all of a sudden turn off and say, hell yeah, let's just go. And some women may, I'm, I'm not going to talk for every woman, but, um, you, you, you just have to understand where her mental state is. And if she's there, then she's there. If she's not, then, Oh, you got to work some magic. (laughs) There, there is definitely a, uh, blessed select few group of women that are just, ready to go whenever you think you you know so i am with you there um what 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 do you think it's important that women understand (sighs) women need i think a lot more empathy when it comes to men um Mm. yeah because they men hold a lot on their shoulders when it comes to wanting to please a woman um but they don't know how to express that emotion. And, and when a man feels like he's not really providing, then he's going to be pulling back a little bit. And when he pulls back, then you're going to feel lonely. And in order to understand why he's pulling back, a lot of times it's because of, you know, whatever it is you're not expressing with him. And, um, you know, you, it's, it's never about blaming. It's about understanding what is it that I'm going through internally that I have reacted in a certain way to make my partner feel like he cannot be closer with me or Mm. open up to me. Right. Um, in any regard, it could be sexual or emotional. So, you know, it's, you, you always have to give each other the space to understand one another. Right. I, I think that that was definitely a very interesting one in terms of having more empathy and pointing out, you know, what you, what you said is definitely true. There is a, you know, heavy desire that men have to please the women that they're with. Yeah. Um, and I think what leads to a lot of confusion, you know, even though we're not talking about relationships in general, but what leads to a lot of confusion is that the desire that a lot of men, including myself, have to please the women that they're with. It, it, it typically comes at a higher priority than even her emotions. Yeah. And that's what can be very confusing between the sexes because yeah. you're, you're sitting there like, oh, I, I think he cares about me because look at all the things he's doing to please me. And it's like, he cares about pleasing you. Mm-hmm. And that, that sometimes, you know, even just understanding, hopefully people are listening to this and understanding that, you know, for, for a lot of people, that desire is separate. The care for somebody emotionally and the desire to please them can be separate. Oh, it's completely different. It's, uh, and you know, emotions do sometimes, uh, you know, correspond with one another in the act of sexual intercourse, but it's, they, they do have their separate moments and understanding how to connect the two simultaneously is where, you know, all the magic basically can happen. 
I definitely agree, agree with that. Um, you know, I, I've had this conversation privately with some men and it's mm -hmm. not something that a lot of men would say openly, but one of the things that we talk about is that, you know, the, the impulse to really be in love with a woman doesn't even come until after sex mm. a lot of times. And, mm. you know, that's one that I, I, I know, as I said it, some listeners are going to be listening and they're going to be like, men are trash for that. And it's like, well, can't help it. Their own language of like loving. So if you've ever heard of like the five languages of love, there's a free yes. quiz, take it figure out how the hell you want to be loved and figure out how your partner likes to be loved. Right. It's not during, during sex, the emotion of love comes out a lot stronger because you're yes. just in a hype of ecstasy. It's like, it, it feels know. like a safe space to love yeah. and to yeah, allow yourself to be loved. Exactly. Cause you're already in a vulnerable state. Like it's not, it's not something that you know, people take it really lightly and think, oh, it's just sex. No, it's not. It's there's so much more in like about it. Like it's just, yeah. So, so do you have um, any recommendations for those people who maybe, you know, maybe they're a little confused. Maybe they, they are living a life where, you know, sex is something that's more so casual, mm -hmm. but they're leaving these relationships a little bit more confused about how people feel about them and how they feel about people. Uh, do you have any advice uh, for those people? And obviously you're coming into the sex toy industry with you know, a base, right? Obviously you're married, you can let all of your feelings be free, but you know, let, let's say for, you know, for some of our single folks out here who you know, maybe they don't wanna have such an intense sexual experience with someone because they don't know if it's safe. What advice do you have for those people? Um, honestly, it's, uh, to communicate that in the very beginning of a relationship, mm. because I, I, for one was never somebody who would feel safe with anybody in, re in that regard. And I held myself very firm on that. Um, but also when somebody doesn't respect that a lot of bad things can happen. Right. Um, so, you know, talking about like empathy, I feel like men lack a lot of the knowledge in how to communicate that. And I think moms, you know, I don't want to talk bad about moms, but moms are really responsible for teaching that to their sons. Um, and, and then, and then also the dads come into play about how, how to handle certain situations. But, um, you know, women, women need to speak up and say, Hey, I'm not okay with these things. I'm not ready for these things. And, you know, bring up the conversation early on. You always want to know where you stand early on. You never want to guess. And then you kind of have a situation. And I really believe this is why rape is such a common thing is mm -hmm. you have a situation where people aren't communicating and, and then it ends up like, you know, someone gets really hurt out of it. And, and then it's traumatizing over time. I, I will definitely say, you know, and, and, you know, not justifying rape. I think if, if that's what you have to do, then you're obviously, there's some mental health issues there, right? Yeah, a lot, um, but a lot of times a man might not even know it's rape. Let me give you that empathy part of it. Like a man might not know it because she cannot voice it during the process. Well, okay, and this is where I've had experiences where, you know, maybe I was about to have sex with a woman and I can sense that she's not into the moment. Yeah. Right? Um, and I'm not saying, again, you know, that empathy part is there because nobody is actually sitting down with men to say, well, you know, pay attention to her body. If she's really into it, she'll, it, it, it shouldn't be like, 
you're trying to make a free throw from half court, it should feel like a layup. Yeah. Right. And I make that sports analogy because a woman who wants you will make it easier for you. She's not going to make it difficult mm -hmm. for you to for you to do everything. Mm -hmm. um, so I definitely agree that, you know, maybe there does need to be some more not maybe definitely there needs to be some more empathy there. Um, but I, I also think that as men, we need to learn how to pay attention to women's bodies and yeah. pay a little bit more attention from the sense that nobody is actually sitting down with young boys before they become men to teach yeah. us these things. Yeah. There's like an expectation that you turn 15 and 16 years old. And because you now know your body and you're able to watch porn, you know everything that you need to know about a woman. <laughs> and it doesn't work it's, that way. No, it's the complete opposite. And, and you know, uh, uh, you know, it's the main thing that boys need to learn is how to communicate, like how to ask better questions, how to really, you know, interact with the opposite sex so that he knows better how to proceed in whatever desire he does have. Right. So, and it, and it all comes from the mom. It, it could be from the dad too. My husband personally, is not a very communicative person. And that's something that we've developed over the years because we practiced, right? I, I will say if you are a man or a woman listening, because I think it can be equally unsafe if uh, someone's not communicating with you either direction. Um, you know, if, if you desire for things to go in a sex sexual direction and you feel like you can't communicate or you feel like, you know, the other person isn't communicating with you what they want, um, it is probably safest to remove yourself from that situation. Exactly. Um, yeah, just just leave that situation alone. And you, I, I think it's really astonishing that these are still conversations that we need to have, right? Like, uh -huh. you know, we're, we're all adults. I'm 30 years old. I'm pretty sure you're in your 30s as well. Yeah. Even though you don't look like it, you look like a beautiful 19-year-old. No, you're lying. Oh. Don't lie. <laughs> <laughs> You, you you gotta whenever you bring up age you gotta make sure you you cushion the blow no i don't need to i'm good no okay <laughs> no how old are you if you don't mind me asking i'm 36 36 you do not look 36 i'm 36 okay. a lot of times i get 16 but that's kind of weird in my no opinion. that is kind of weird you don't look 16 <laughs> but i definitely give you 20s you, yeah 20s um <laughs> but it, it really is we're all adults now if there's something that you like right say that and I think it's it goes for men and women. Just be very bold and be upfront. Um, and for the women out there who like, oh, I don't want to say it. It doesn't make me cute. And it's like that's bullshit. No, no. From a man's perspective, we I, we think it's very sexy when a woman knows what she wants. Yeah, like you gotta, So you know, a lot of times I feel like women um, try to take a passive approach, or they are actually passive, or they're masculine. Masculine. Masculinity. Mas yeah. There you go. Um, they're charged by masculinity and um, you always have to speak up, mm. you know, you, no matter what you speak up. I, I was always very shy and timid in my very early twenties. I'm now like, I don't give any F U C K S. Like, I don't know if we can cuss here, but I don't you give any definitely fuck. can cuss here. Okay. I, I actually give... prefer it. Awesome. I'm trying to like tame myself right now, but I don't give any fucks now. I'll, I will voice whatever it is I need to, to be able to like make people understand where I stand because as a nice. woman, especially like for in the sex toy industry, you know, when, when my husband and I are together, like nobody really pays attention to me when I talk they mm. or when I talk, they'll look at him 
Like he's the one in charge of responding, but I'm the one who's leading this business. You know, he started it, but I'm leading it as a woman. Right. And in an industry that's really like, it basically like negates, negates you as a person. And hmm. And you, you think that the, you know what, when I think of the sex toy industry, I think of it as an industry that is really for women, but what you're describing makes it sound like it's an industry that is for the imagination of men. Yeah, it is. It is. Wow. It is. Men, men have created it with their imaginations and they've created products they think women do want. And yes, some of them have been nice, but, um, a lot of times, like it's again, a man making something for a woman. I I remember um, I was in boot camp in 2000. Well, not even boot camp. This is 2010. I was in MOS school, right? Um, and this is why I was serving in the military. Mm-hmm. And we went through a guy's uh, room because he had a health and comfort. Mm-hmm. And they pulled out these two large dildos. We, like, I think they were they they were huge like size of my forearm big wow so we did what any group of teenage boys at a well you know freshly initiated adults would do because we're only like 19 and 20 years old mm-hmm. and we had sword fights <laughs> down the hallways with these dildos but you know I, I bring that up to even say like yeah no that does seem like something out of a man's imagination like yes bigger better and it's like no I don't see how this could, you know, obviously there are women out there who go for that. And I'm not saying it's not, you know, something that they go for, but Mm -hmm. the, the idea that, you know, you have these huge forearm like phalluses, it like, it it could only be from the imagination of someone who is uh, intimate with the porn industry, for example. Instead of be. being intimate with actual sensuality or actual intimacy. It could be, you know, honestly, like when you, when you see those more advanced products, those are the products you see where people have practiced with, right? You mm. can get there when you've had the practice and no, not, it's not always about bigger, but men and women both buy into bigger is better. And mm. that's not always the, the case. Like women, women think that, oh, I should buy a dildo because it's going to really give me more of what I want. But again, not the case. You could be having a G-spot stimulated uh, orgasm and you just don't know it because you don't know your body. Mm. You don't know your body. You don't like most of the time, get yourself a vibrator, uh, stimulate yourself clitorally and then, and then figure it out because then you could, you know, concentrate more on the G-spot because now you have the orgasm clitorally happening. So it's, it's really figuring out all these little details because there's so much to it. Hmm. No, I, I definitely agree with that. It, it it does seem like, you know, the the more that we listen to women, the more that, you know, I'm hearing, take your time, you know, and, and obviously there are times for, you know, obvious, you know, for uh, a di- things on the opposite end of the spectrum, mm-hmm. getting tongue tied here, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, you know, a lot of what I'm hearing is the market is saturated with a lot of masculine energy. And if this is a market that is intending to please women, there needs to be some softness in introduced. There needs to be some, you know, a gentler touch introduced. Um, and there is, it's not to say there isn't, it's grown quite a lot since the seventies. Um, nice. It's grown a lot more 
you know, in the uh, 21st century. So it's, you know, it's evolving. There are more women who are starting sex toy businesses, who are manufacturing, who are, you know, um, speaking up and speaking out for more people to learn from. Um, so it's, it's not that there isn't, it's just, it's a growing aspect of it. Gotcha. What, what would you say is the, um, what would you say is the most difficult part about being within your industry? The saturation, honestly, it's, it's such a competitive market. Not only that, like, you know, there's a kajillion e-commerce brand, there's a kajillion like storefronts. There's, there's just everything. It's, uh, I think it's estimated to be $54 billion industry coming up soon in like a few years. So it's, there's a lot of competition, but don't let the competition scare you. It, the hardest thing is really finding your voice in that little, you know, in that big space as a little person to find your space and roar as loud as you can, I suppose, until you basically get um, the attention that you need as a business in order to grow. Wow. No, and I, marketing, I, marketing is a huge challenge because it's so limited. So, okay, that that's one that's really interesting, because when you talk about limited marketing, there's a couple of industries where you really see that they have to get creative. Yeah. Um, and, you know, sex in the porn industry being one, but also uh, cannabis being another. And, exactly. Almost um, similar. They're almost similar. Right. So ha- have you seen any synergy between those industries being that they do have to be creative in how they market? Has there, have you seen any opportunities for brands to collaborate uh, and really open up and see about any sort of merging of the markets? Yeah, and they have actually, there's, um, that's, that's its own niche. So um, sex toys and marijuana are basically uh, sisters, like, (laughs) or like brother and sister, um, siblings, they're, they're, um, they can go hand in hand. So like today, I don't know if we can say what today is, but uh, if like you can, you can say everything. <laughs> four twenty, like we're recording this on four twenty. Right. Um, cannabis helps with sex because it helps you get out of your head. It helps you, or maybe I don't know some people, but when you're when when you smoke, your your senses are just more heightened. So right. you know th- something to touch is going to bring your mind back to to the physical aspect of what's happening in the present moment. You know, and 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 they they correspond with each other really well, um, you know, and it's, it's an industry that yes, they, there are a lot of partnerships. There are a lot of people talking about it. There are a lot of people explaining how it's more beneficial. It actually, like if, if you're a woman who experiences painful sex, cannabis helps a lot, whether it's cannabis, um, lube, whether it's cannabis smoking or eating, if you don't, mm. you know, do it yourself, but there's a lot of things you can even put topically that help aid with relaxation um, so that you could have more pleasurable sex. Uh, no, I, I definitely agree with that. I had a uh, episode, uh, actually, I think it was episode 19, where I had a uh, lady come in and she was talking to us about cannabis and um, women's health, uh, particularly after menopause, mm-hmm. um, and explaining how you know it does help older women keep uh, control of their libido and maintain an actual yeah, uh, it helps libido. a lot. Yeah, it really does. It's honestly a, a fantastic tool to use. Um, you know, however you want to use it in moderation, but again, always be in a safe situation because sometimes when you smoke, you're not always you know 
Right. And complete yeah. control. Exactly. Um, so always be in a safe situation and then do it with the safe person and then even do it by yourself. Like go masturbate. <laughs> right. You, the, I guarantee you there's a ton of uh, that going on today on 420. I hope. I hope. <laughs> Ho right. Hopefully. <laughs> rightfully so. Um, okay. So my next question was, what has been your biggest ROI within marketing? Like what has done the best for you within marketing? And, you know, I'm asking this question because maybe it could provide a tip for those listeners who are working on a cannabis-based business or a uh, sex industry related business um, where they can figure out where exactly they need to be, where they aren't going to have to deal with the shame, the judgment, and all of the extra things uh, that would just overcomplicate the fact that they're trying to promote a business? Um, so biggest ROI is like where your traffic's coming from mm -hmm. and eliminating the shame that it comes from like running the type of business are two different things. So I'll address each in a different way. Okay, um, cool, cool, cool. But ROI wise, I think so we did a lot of stupid things in the beginning of business. And I don't suggest anybody to do this. Um, you really have to like take one product, one page and develop this one product, one page and figure out what your audience wants. That mm. is what's going to give you the biggest ROI. You cannot, I mean, you can, like we were a little ass backwards and started a whole entire store, put in a whole entire like list of products, did not concentrate on each product page or each product type, because again, it's a saturated market. So you want to get there as, as get out there as fast as possible, but that's not the answer. Just really try to hone in on one product, what the benefits are, how mm. they emotionally evoke a person. Um, you know, what are their needs? What's the language that they're using to, you know, uh, describe their needs and then, and then develop it from there and, and bring in the sales. And th as far as like the traffic source goes, if you have a little bit of money to spend, spend it on Facebook or Google, um, nice. just, you know, it's, it's hard to become an expert in everything. So if, again, if you have a little bit of money, hire the help to be able to obtain that, but understand at least the basics of what it takes to run a Google and a Facebook ad so that you're not just completely, you know, blindsided by the amount of money somebody can spend on your own budget and, and then screw you over later. Cause that's happened to us. Oh, um, yeah, really? Yep. Uh, yep. Yeah. See that, that, that's just bad business. If you're going to run a Google ad for someone or a Facebook ad. Yeah. Well, you I probably mean, discussed the spend beforehand. No. Well, the spend was discussed, but it's, ultimately like how are you going to be receiving um a profit versus like being in the red all the time mm. so if somebody is really good at sending the traffic great but that's not all you need you need to test your message out first. right it needs to the landing page the copy has to be right exactly the exactly, right, exactly. No, okay so that that makes a whole lot of sense and that that even works out as a tip for me is mm -hmm. make sure that you're speaking to the profits that someone's making not just the results that you're getting back on traffic but i will say um if you are somebody who's doing ads or you're doing any sort of marketing uh if you are not sure about the return on investment um for example if the person you're working with doesn't have a solid landing page or you know one particular focus you, you want to do your best to let them know that they aren't paying you for results at that point. They're paying you for the traffic that you drive mm -hmm. to the location. Mm -hmm. and exactly. 
But I don't advise anyone to drive any traffic to any location unless, again, you said it, focus. Like, what is your focus? If you are looking at ROI, what is your ROI? Like, we just recently ran ads and our focus was uh, how many people would take the quiz and how many emails can we obtain from a quiz? It's not necessarily sales-based, right? So lead gen. Exactly. Right. What and and then what kind of funnel do you have set up for that process so that you can then obtain the sales? Because that way you're developing a relationship, which is what is going to provide the biggest ROI for any business. I, I love the fact that we got into this portion of the conversation because you know one of the things that I've been telling people is that building an online business, building a digital empire, literally supports any business idea, product, or service that you can think of, mm-hmm. right? Um, the internet has been around forever, and now we're really seeing where every business needs to be supported online or with some sort of online sales. Um, I, I'm even to the point where if someone has a website but no physical location, I'm more uh, willing to work with them because of physical location. I know that you're doing a ton of other things that this person with just a website doesn't have to deal with. Yeah. Um, and you also have some reduced overhead. Um, so definitely, if you guys are you know working in business a little bit more traditionally or looking to get into business, you want to look into how to build a digital business, how to build an online business. Um, look into e-commerce uh, and really start listening to people uh, like Noreen. Um, and uh, also, you probably want to listen to some guys like Neil Patel, not just Gary V, but actually listen to the people who are doing some SEO and some digital marketing. Uh, so Neil Patel, Gary V. Backlinko guy is a really great source. Um, Neil Patel is another, but also uh, find some people like Bedros Koulian or Craig Valentine and figure out like, you got to find like little, maybe let's call them influencers. Let's find influencers that don't have the biggest reach, but yet are, you know, are converting and, Mm. and how are they converting? How are they leading their traffic to what source? And what does that page look like for them? What is the setup? Figure out all those little details. You know, it's not, it's not, excuse me, it's not an easy market to get into by any means. And don't fall into the hype of like, you could set up and get sales done and yada, yada, yada. And yeah, there are ways to do that, but it takes a lot of learning. Oh, no, I definitely agree with you. I used to um, see, you know, set up your business in 30 days. And, you know, being on the other side of being a full-time entrepreneur and actually seeing what it takes to get conversions, the only way that I would be comfortable telling somebody that they're going to see results in 30 days is if that individual is uh, extremely clear about what their business is about, what they're about, what yep. they do and who they do it for. Yep. Um, there's so many people who are jumping in it just for the money. So yep. they they don't have any of the things that you mentioned, you know, the ethics, the values. Uh, they don't really know the reason why they're in an industry other than the fact that it makes money. So mm-hmm. they're looking for the biggest, baddest toy that they could sell for the biggest price. Mm-hmm. But, you know, compared to someone like you who is in a competitive market, you're realizing that the value is in your values and in sharing your values with your customers. Yeah. Um, so we're, de- we're definitely aligned here. Um, <laughs> 
this is usually the part of the podcast where we say story for a story. And that just means you tell me a story and I'll tell you back a story. And I will make sure that I match your level. But this could be any type of story. It could be a crazy fun story. It can be a business story. We've had stories from everything, uh, everything going from, you know, uh, had a person tell me about, you know, their first time actually trying to be a drug dealer. Mm-hmm. Right? And it wasn't like hard drugs. It was weed. Right. So happy 420. <laughs> um, uh, I've had, you know, stories of people driving around naked in foreign countries. Um, I'm it's me. I'm people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so whatever story you want to tell, whatever you feel motivated to tell, I'll match your level. Wow. I don't know. I go in and like a story. Jeez. Yep. Are you married? Uh, not anymore. Ooh. Ooh. That's exciting. Thank God. Um, right. Yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, people talk about divorce like it's a terrible thing, but it's just not. It, <laughs> I, I've never thought that a do-over was bad. No, it's it, honestly, it's a blessing. And I hope that whatever happens is you use that time to really work on yourself more than anything, because that's that's where it all starts is your habits. I have. Didn't you see my hairline grew back? Right. <laughs> I don't, skin I don't know. Is glowing. I, know. <laughs> I smile you now. <laughs> that's awesome. Right. Man, a story. I can't really think of any. I don't know. Um, you want like a crazy one? I don't know. Uh, it's completely up to you. I know you got some crazy stories, right? Like you're in the sex toy industry. There's got to be That's a, a crazy client. Oh, yeah. Like crazy client. I don't want to talk about it because it's actually mentally disturbing. Um, <laughs> it took a while for me to get out of that funk. <laughs> I don't want to talk about that. Let's talk. Like, All right. No crazy client. Jeez. <laughs> um, I guess I'm boring right now. No, I could come not. up with stories, but you're putting me on the spot. Yes, I, I tend to do that. It makes for the best stories, Noreen. Yeah. I mean, if I could tell any story and if it's to people that really want to manifest the life that they want, mm-hmm. it would be to really dream and believe in your dreams. Um, and I could only give you that because in reality, it's what I've done with my life. Um, you know, like for example, um, manifesting the person that you really want to be with in your future. I was probably 14, 15. I didn't know it was manifesting, but um, I read some stupid thing in a cosmopolitan magazine about how you should, uh, you know, um, under a full moon, write down these qualities that you want in a person and get as specific as you can light a candle, put some roses together, rose petals or whatever. It was just something really stupid and tacky. Um, but I really believed it. And I, I went out under a full moon. I sat at a table. I wrote down my, my intentions, my desires, my very specific details about what I wanted in a relationship. And I kid you not, um, I, and I dreamt about it. I always thought of them. Like, I, I, I kept that letter, but I lost it. I told myself I'd open it on my wedding day. And if it didn't meet any of the standards that I had listed, then I would, I would just leave them at the altar. But I didn't do that. I lost the letter, but I already knew the intention of what I had written in it was, you know, my husband is everything I've ever wanted minus his height. <laughs> you know, so well, it, we're obviously here. So he's showing up where it matters. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, it's, uh, and, and not just that, but even like starting a business, I always like, 
I promised my grandma, I said, grandma, you know, one day I'm going to start a business of my own. I, I thought it'd be in my fifties when I did it, but you know, it happened in my twenties a lot sooner and it fell in my lap. Are um, you a first generation American or it, were you born in Armenia? I was born in Armenia. So okay. I don't know how I, how, how I classify. I'm just like, I'm, I'm Armenian American, but I'm very Armenian. So I don't, I don't know how I, my, my, both of my parents are from Barbados, right? I love Jamaica. It, it, it's such a weird thing because I, I realized the, the, the American dream that let's say our parents came over here for, or even you came over here for, it doesn't exist traditionally. It doesn't exist with nope. a nine to five job. Nope. It only exists with a business and, you know, as a descendant of immigrants and knowing a lot of immigrants, like, might I say, like, this is our jam. Like, don't worry, you've got this. If you're yeah. listening to this yeah. and, you know, you were born in another country or you're from another country and you come to America, you've probably got a leg up on the competition simply because you understand hard work, yep. right? Hard yep. work is not something that we teach kids in school here. No, no. Right? I mean, actually, I, I take that back. I think hard work is what's taught. I think dreaming big is not. Mm. And I think what immigrant children or immigrant parents or families from any kind of immigrant situation really have coming to America is a big dream. And that's mm. what they lead with. And that's something you can really pass on to your kids is dream big, is is manifest the life you really want, is, you know everything is possible. And that's what America has always represented, I feel like to other countries. Agreed. And, you know, even if I travel like around um, Europe or whatever, a lot of people just have this crazy notion that America is just like the best place to live and yada, it's yada. Not. But no, no, I would honestly live in Jamaica. I love Jamaica. Like I would, I would not want to live in America very much longer, actually, with the recent situations, uh, the way they're going. No, we're <laughs> so. on the same page here. Um, all right, so I'll give a story back to you. And actually, you know, I'll, I'll share uh, the story of how I went from my first real love and first real heartbreak uh, to meeting my ex-wife, right? Because, um, you know, I, and I, I think there's... I'm one of those people where every relationship that I build, I think all of those women are amazing. If they wasn't, then why would they, why would they have been attracted into my life? Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I'm going to try my best to make sure that I compliment them all throughout this story. <laughs> all right. So um, my first love, actually, I met her in Boston. Um, anybody who knows me that knew me during the time, they know exactly who I'm talking about. I was chasing this woman repeatedly. I, I want to say, I should say girl, because we were 17 at the time. Mm -hmm. And I was shooting my shot religiously, like from the time we were 17 to 19, wow. right? And it was like, she was into me, but she wasn't really into me. And eventually she let me know that, you know, she had, um, you know, some some trauma associated with you know, her, her sex life, right. Mm -hmm. At the time, mm -hmm. which is why she was kind of standoffish, but I could care less, right? Like she was amazing to me. Um, but anybody who again knows who I'm talking about, she's a bit of a thug, right? My first love was a thug, like, and I'm, I'm from Brooklyn, New York. I'm in Boston. So I got a certain demeanor to me, but she loves it. She respects it. And she has a certain demeanor to her. So even down to there was a time where she literally punched me in my face and it was um 
it wasn't something where I was like turned off. Or I was like, oh my God, she hit me. I was just like, you hit me. <laughs> that That's kind of sexy. I grabbed her by her shoulders and kind of shook her. <laughs> but, you know, eventually our, our relationship deteriorated because, you know, as you heard, she, she's a bit of a thug. I'm a bit of a rough guy. Um, those, those type of relationships, if you guys don't make a habit of being nice to each other, uh, they can be very destructive. So, mm -hmm. you know, that relationship ended. And when I say I'm heartbroken, I am heartbroken. I am Drake levels of hurt. <laughs> right? Like, if you think Drake cried in the song Marvin's Room, you... In fact, Marvin's Room came out while I would, while we split. And I was definitely that guy that was like, fuck the... Right? Like, I wasn't jealous of anybody that she was with. And this is kind of what inspired me to be polyamorous was I, I didn't we know care. that about you. Yeah. I, a lot of people don't know that about me. Yeah. Wow. But what inspired what inspired me to be polyamorous was I really sat down and I acknowledged that I didn't care who this woman was with. And, you know, ever since then, when I built a, a relationship of love with a woman, it's this understanding. I don't care who they're with. I care that they make time for me. And usually what uh, comes down to ending the relationship is they care who I'm with, right? They don't care that I make time for them. Um, so I, I want to be cherished in that way. And I want to be able to cherish someone in that way. Yeah. Um, but I'm still young as we break up. So I, I didn't really put all of this together. So what do you think I do next? I hop full force into a committed monogamous uh, relationship, right? Mm -hmm. I get back to the States from Japan and you know i remember doing the same thing you mentioned manifesting and i was watching the malcolm x movie and his wife betty shabazz was on the screen and she was talking about how he needed to protect himself and all i could say to myself was i needed to be with a woman that cares more about me than i care about myself right um and i met my ex-wife and i thought that i found her she was my best friend before i went to okinawa japan um and you know she was either just as ambitious as i am uh her mom was from trinidad so she understood the immigrant mentality mm -hmm. um but then as we got together and we got married things kind of changed right so we got married and she got out of the military and there was kind of like an expectation that she would be a stay-at-home mom um and i did not understand what stay at home like the value of a stay at home mom i didn't understand it so i was like yeah i'm not going for that i'm not going to pay for your car you you got to figure that that out um, yeah i would i was very honest with it uh, about it and i you know i broke it down to her from a perspective of who expected to be the stay like you expected her to be the stay at home mom or you the, she, did she, ex she expected to be a stay at home mom but she never talked to me about that i see and I, I, my, my reasoning, there might be some people listening and goes, you're a jerk, but my reasoning was pretty sound, right? She had some mental health issues in terms of depression yeah. um, and anxiety. And my, my mentality was if you stay at home with a baby, that's only going to exacerbate postpartum depression. It is. And then I have a newborn baby who's really attached to their mother. So they're probably going to have uh, abandonment issues or separation anxiety. Uh, and the only person that you're going to want to talk to is me. And I'm a, I'm 
a 25 year old sergeant in the Marine Corps, right? Like I'm not the person that you expect to come to for emotional relief, right? Like my, my thing with emotion is like, let's just get shit done. Like if we solve the problem, there won't be a problem and you won't need to talk to me about these emotional ass problems. Yeah. Th- that's where my mentality was at the time. Yeah. Right. That's changed um, though. I hope. Right. <laughs> uh, yes, it has. It has. <laughs> awesome. Um, our relationship didn't work out. My marriage didn't work out uh, for some different reasons because she actually mentioned she did a lot of the manifestation stuff that you mentioned. Uh-huh. Uh, she was telling me how she had wrote a letter and put it out into the ocean and all of these different things. And I was everything in the letter. And my brain was going, that's cool. Um, I'm not a trophy though. You you can't just get me and put me on a shelf. You got to maintain your relationship with me. And as our relationship developed and we got years into the relationship, it was very difficult to do so, right? Um, One kid turned to two kids and now she's working a full-time job and I'm working a full-time job and there's less sex, right? And less sex to a 26, 27-year-old male that is constantly in the gym, right? I could flirt with any woman that I want. And like I said, I'm in a monogamous relationship. I I could flirt with any woman and and there's women that are interested in me, but I am really taking it personal that my wife doesn't think I'm attractive, but here's Mm -hmm. all of these women that, you know, would jump at the shot with me, Mm -hmm. but you're tired when the day comes, right? Yeah. um, You know, obviously that one thing led to another. And we we just kind of decided that, well, I kind of decided that I didn't want to be a part of that anymore. Yeah. Um, Because, you know, after a certain amount of time of bringing it up and having conversations and, you know, then some other things happen, you you realize this doesn't make sense. And the, um, this is where I fully uh, made the decision to say, okay, I'm going to be polyamorous. It, it's the sense that, the idea that somebody can look at me and say, I want to be in a monogamous relationship with you and then completely ignore my needs really just kind of said, I shouldn't put my needs or my desires. Um, I shouldn't put that weight on my relationships. I should enjoy the space that I have with people in the time that they are willing to give and that they're able to give. Um, and from there, let our relationship grow and blossom. But if there's anything that I want or that I need, uh, if I vocalized it and this person can't do it, I don't want to like them less because of that. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. So I ended I mean, up where I am. Your story so actually. Manifest, but also yeah. understand that you have to maintain if you oh, want yeah. to keep it. Oh yeah. I mean, your story hits a lot of points that I think we had the conversation about earlier is um, y- you can't, like you're leading with desire, but you're not quite understanding her role in your life. And you're also kind of leading with some selfishness thinking it's only about me. You're not paying attention to me. So here's the toddler inside us saying, or screaming, fucking pay attention, bitch. Right. Right. (laughs) But it's not. And it's the same way for her with women. Like as an example, for me, my husband is the biggest emotional support in my life. If I Mm -hmm. cannot confide in him, I cannot confide in anybody. He is my best friend. He is my rock. He literally, and sometimes I just need a vent and he has that habit of wanting to fix things. It's not about that. Sometimes it's just about letting us talk to you. You don't Mm. need to figure it out for us. Right. So I have a suggestion. Um, 
there's a book called Getting the, the Love You uh, Getting the Love You Want by Harville, Harville and Hendricks. Okay. And I 100% recommend reading that because it will teach you about your own habits of how you receive and give love. Mm. It comes from our parents or our caregivers and how they showed up. And it sounds like somewhere either your mom or your dad had some very hard, you know, times with showing emotional support to somebody else. Oh yeah. No, I, uh, emotional support is like a no, no in my family. We're like, it it happened. Get over it. Yeah. But you know, that's the immigrant. I feel like that's a cultural thing that a whole lot of people that have that cultural background can relate to. If if you don't have, if you don't have that background, it's, it's harder to understand it. And you know, what, what did help me a lot was, um, you know, I went through and I got a hypnotherapy certificate. Uh-huh. And I did that because I wanted to be able to, one, heal my own trauma. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it felt like to call myself a leader of the household that I'm leading. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's all of these people in the house and I not be able to relate to them emotion, uh, their emotions, not be able to understand their emotions. Uh, it felt like I was no leader at all. It felt like a sham. So. I went through that and, you know, that helped me really understand a lot, but I'm definitely going to check out the book. Um, When I went through, through that space of really learning about hypnotherapy and learning about our traumas and learning how, you know, our emotions really came to play, it really just made me shut up more. Right. Um, And from a perspective of, you know, what somebody isn't able to do is a lot of the time much more mental than it is something that you can just talk to them about and they just get up and go put the work in because they told you someone told you to go put the work in um so i just kind of learned to let people have their space and let people feel the way that they want to feel and also just let myself feel the way that i want to feel you have to i mean you have to give yourself that um you know care you have to allow yourself to do that and that person that you're with needs to do that can i ask you a question yes of course do you feel like being polyamorous is kind of a way to run away from all those other things that come along with a monogamous relationship? No, it is the opposite. Um, it's the opposite. I, I I have to, because even within my relationship now, I have to be much more loyal than I was when I was monogamous. It's easy to cheat in monogamy, mm-hmm. right? It's very easy to get away with being distant. It's easy to create little holes and walls for yourself where you can hide from, you know, your feelings, your partner's feelings. Um, All of those things add a ton of confusion within a polyamorous relationship. So it's caused me to be a lot more raw, a lot more open, a lot more um, talkative about my, yeah, and very present. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, I'm checking in a lot more to really understand the emotional state of my partner or partners. Wow. Right? Even um, with, ironically enough, even before sex, regardless wow. of what I said before, it's, um, you know, since being polyamorous, I, I think it's allowed me to really view women more so as emotional bodies and, you know, have much more value than I would have if I was monogamous. Wow. Thanks for sharing that. I never, I never really saw it that way like then again like I I, a lot of people don't really talk about that aspect aspect of polyamory yeah because it's um 
it it can be difficult to get people to talk to there are still a lot of people who are focused on the sexual aspect yeah um or very shallow aspects of polyamory mm -hmm. uh but once you get past the idea that you own this person and you really just start to cherish the space that you have with the person I think that becomes everything, right? Like cherishing the space that I have with my partners is everything to me. Wow. Um, and that, that I think is better than anything because my relationship isn't based on, my relationships aren't based on the expectation that I have with my partners. Mm. It's based on the actual things that are being fulfilled, the actual moments that we have. And um, that feels a lot better than the pressure of being monogamous to me. Wow. Wow. That's crazy. Thank you. <laughs> That's no, awesome. <laughs> like it honestly, it needs to be talked about. And there's so many questions for those that are not polyamorous or even like anything that has to do with LGBTQ, you know, it's just, there's so many questions and people are afraid to ask them and, or and answer them. And I, you know what, you're right. I wish there was a place where people could be a little bit more open and, you know, when you felt like somebody's judgments were creeping up or like somebody was being unfair, uh, just being very honest about that and having an uh, open place of discourse. I think on one podcast uh, episode, I talked about, you know, myself and how uh, homophobia from, you know, being a part of hip hop culture was something that I had to get over. And it didn't help that, you know, I was molested as a kid. So mm. those things, right. So <laughs> those things, um, no, those things really aided or uh, pushed my homophobia. But once I could realize what it was, and it, it just kind of didn't make sense to be mad anymore about the decisions that somebody else was making because I was a victim at one point, right? Um, one of the things I've been telling people is that there's a very thin line between victim and villain. Um, and the closer you are to figuring that out, the closer you are to healing and you don't have to play either of those sides, whether it be victim or villain. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, I think with molestation, the hardest part was like not being able to express because of the fear of how my parents would react, mm. you know, and, and then, and then going past that, like now that I have a kid and like, I, I went through severe postpartum, I'm you know, a mom and I take care of him most of the time on my own and I do all the cooking, cleaning, all that, you know, shit. So it's not easy to be a mom and do that. And then, uh, you know, maintain a relationship on the side with somebody else. Um, Cause it just doesn't give you that mental space, but, you know, being a person who's been molested and now has a kid and has this fear that he may be one day, or I hope to God not, but, you know, but this fear is projected, but also like, I can understand how now I can think as a villain and not just a victim. You you know what the craziest part about um that that the story you just mentioned is is the very first time that I told anyone that I was molested um I already had my son and my daughter and mm -hmm. I told my mother-in-law and the reason I told her was because you know there was you know, two separate incidents where I was going to go sleep with these women and uh, my ex-wife found out she talked to the women and, you know, she's telling me some fucked up shit. Right. Not just being honest on calling it what it is. Um, so, you know, I, 
jumped into, you know what, maybe I have a sex addiction, maybe something's wrong with me, maybe I need to change this about me. So I'm explaining this to my mother in law. And I, I, it came out, it like up and jumped out and goes, I was molested as a kid. And she said something along the lines of, oh, well, you know, you definitely should go talk to someone, go seek help, because you have two beautiful children. And you know, we wouldn't want for anybody to do anything to your children, or we wouldn't want for you to touch your children. And I didn't pick that up while I was on the phone, but then I was driving, I'm dropping my daughter to school. And it, it hit me like a ton of brick. I said, wait, did this motherfucker just call me a pedophile? <laughs> and uh, it, it was like, that was the moment where I was like, stop. Now I understand how I got to where I got to with my emotions and treating my emotions like, you know, they didn't matter. But now I even I understand even more why I need to protect myself and get separate spaces with people that I trust. So yeah. um, that that's also why I, I I'm really big on trying to leave the victim villain mentality. Someone is always trying to place you when you're the person that just had some shit done to you. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's like, always categorizing, categorizing, like we have a sex toy store. So therefore we're assumed to be freaks. No, right. That and is not, <laughs> that is not the vibe that I get from you at all. I feel like the it vibe that I, huh? <laughs> it could be, well, that's not the vibe that you're giving off. Right. The, or if, if you are, you are only that for your husband, that yeah. that's the vibe that you give off. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think the 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 ability that we have to just kind of prejudge things, um, it does a lot more damage than good. Oh yeah, it's and you know I, I I never really realized that. I don't know if it's the case for you, but I never really realized that until I became a mom. Mm. You know, prejudgment of like like other moms. Okay, like other moms have had babies too, and they've gone through their challenges their own way but yet they place this judgment upon you when you go through it your own way even though there's this understanding that you know they they have their own set of challenges they you know it's it's right. oh it's i did I, I did it this way you're doing it wrong or like no it's not there's no right or wrong it's about how you just take the steps to come out of whatever it is you need to come out of right and and definitely like understanding yourself and really seeking help and talking to a therapist. There's nothing wrong with it. You need to do it. You need to do all of that stuff to bring yourself to consciousness, to really understand every aspect of who you are as a person so that you could develop then the relationships required to develop in your life, whether it's with your kids, your spouse, your multiple partners, your parents, your siblings, whoever the fuck it is, you have to do all that work. True. And staying always in the same state is never going to get you anywhere, but stuck. It, it's um you you know how stagnant water start to smell yeah that's usually um replicated in people's attitudes and the way that they deal with people you yeah. can tell somebody who's been in the same situation uh for longer than they need to be because they think that they should deal with you the same way that they deal with everyone else um or you know it, it's somebody who's used to going through the same thing every day Mm-hmm. So they, when they finally come meet you, you might be a different type of person than everybody else that they've come across, but they're going to start dealing with you the same way. Yeah. And yeah, you know, you're, you're a hundred percent right. So in the spirit of wrapping it up and getting you back to your husband, right? I so I, I'm I not getting, 
Right. <laughs> I don't have a husband right now. Oh no. Yeah. What do you mean? Oh, he's at he's at work. Yeah. He's yeah. doing his thing. Yeah, he's doing his thing. <laughs> and you my get kids to be... asleep. I get to this is like my hour to like actually get work done and pump shit out and it's my exciting time actually. Man, I'm I'm glad that you could actually get that and congratulations to you as a mom. Thank you. I know how important those hours uh, are during the day. Yeah. Um my partner definitely <laughs> lets me know. They're like the kid woke up during my work time and I need you to watch the kid and I need to get some shit done. I'm like, yeah. oh, definitely. That makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah. Um, so I'm gonna let you get back to it. But how can we reach a hold of you? How can we get a hold of you, Nareen? And how can we uh, participate and support Beyond Delights? Ooh, honestly, all your support and participation means a lot to us. And um, David and I always do everything ourselves mostly. So, you know, whether it's uh, sending out questions and us responding um, to even a purchase, not that I really, you know, I don't expect anything ever, but if it leads to that, then fantastic. Um, but it's uh, www.beyonddelights, like D-E-L-I-G-H-T-S.com. Um, or you can get a hold of us on Instagram at Beyond Delights or Facebook. Again, same handle, Beyond Delights. If you Google it, it should or search it, it should come up. Um, but yeah, I mean, we have a Twitter and everything else too. But Instagram is really the top uh, social network. And info at Beyond Delights. In any case that you have a question, we're always like first, always like our our minds are set on helping people before anything else. Awesome, awesome. And for those of you listening. Go be great.